This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode may contain slight spoilers surrounding Starbringer. There are also mentions of the Crave series, Firefly, Breakfast Club, and Ice Planet Barbarians. everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are welcoming a very special guest and our new friend, who is a number one New York Times bestselling author, Tracy Wolf. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Welcome. I am Tracy Wolf, and I'm so excited to be here today. Um, I love you guys, and it's 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 really awesome that um, that I was invited on. I'm really grateful. Um, I am the writer of Starbringer, as well as the Crave series, and a number of other books. And I'm just excited to be here. And we are so excited that you took the time. Thank you so much. We have so much to talk about. Jess and I have read the book, and we're going to kind of tread a middle line with spoilers to keep it interesting for everybody. But I think, I think, I really just want to start off by asking, how, how did this happen? We have uh, two writers on this book, a beautiful sci-fi romance book. Uh, Can you kind of take Take us through a uh, concept to first draft. Oh, absolutely. Actually, my um, publisher, who I worked with, I've worked with many times, but particularly on the Crave series most recently, uh, my, our, my editor, Liz Pelletier, um, was launching a line called Red Tower, which is a brand new line for Entangled. Um, and she came to me and asked if I would be interested in writing one of the launch books for the line. Um, the first launch book, um, of course, was Fourth Wing, which I think a lot of people have heard of at this point. And Starbringer was the second one. And I said, yeah, of course, I'd love to. And she wanted to have it be sci-fi. And I've always wanted to try my hand at sci-fi. I never have. I've written paranormal. I've written fantasy. I've written contemporary. But I've never written sci-fi. And I'm like, yes, I'd love to try. And she says, well, great. She says, I actually have another author who I've worked with many times. And that's Nina. And she said, she's really great at like sci-fi world building and, you know, all of that. Would you be interested in working with her on this book? And I was like, yeah, of course. I I love Nina's books. I'd I'd love to. And um, so she kind of us together and we spent a lot of time thankfully Nina said yes she wanted to work with me as well so that helps and uh and then we spent a lot of time going back and forth um on what we wanted the book to be um my our our editor's concept was she wanted Firefly which you know she wanted like you know an updated version of Firefly something amazing basically a space opera right and uh, Firefly is one of my my favorite things ever but I've always kind of wanted to do the breakfast club in space like I thought that would be like so much fun and so I said well why don't we do like a Firefly meets the breakfast club kind of a thing and she and Nina both kind of I guess really liked that idea so we kind of ran with that and we spent several months actually um because in the middle of all this I was on tour for um 
for three months. And so it was logistically really interesting, especially because Nina is in Spain. Um, and we went three, we spent, I don't know, it was somewhere between three and six months, literally, um, kind of going back and forth on, on what the character, who we wanted the characters to be, what we wanted the plot to be, and, um, and where we wanted to go. We passed the first 50 pages back and forth. Um, probably seven or eight times, I think, something like that. I, I don't remember exactly. Um, trying back and forth between um, Nina and me and also back and forth between our editor a couple times, getting feedback on, on what she thought of it and, and where we were. And after we got the first 50 pages, we were kind of um, off to the races. We knew where we wanted the plot to go. We knew what we wanted to, to have happen. So that is, uh, that is the story of the book, I guess, of how it came to be. That is so exciting. Now, you mentioned that this is your first time kind of uh, dipping into sci-fi. My question for you is, um, you have written in lots of different genres, and uh, Nina has as well. Was sci-fi something that was maybe a little intimidating, or it was just something that you just hadn't gotten around to yet, or saving for a special project? Oh, I think I think one in three. I think sci-fi is, of course, intimidating. There's so many brilliant, brilliant authors writing in sci-fi. Um, and so many brilliant women authors, I think, who have kind of paved the road for, for Nina and I to kind of jump in. Nina, of course, has done some sci-fi romance before, um, but but I, I have not. And um, we're huge... We're huge nerds in my house. Um, Star Wars, you know, we trade Star Wars lines back and forth. My my children are obsessed with, with every kind of space science thing anyway. So um, it's also a little, you know, it's it's intimidating because, I, I mean, some of my favorite authors, Ursula K. Gwynn, um, Andy Weir, are incredible sci-fi writers. And I can't do what they do. Like I, I wouldn't even know how to, to do the, the, the real technical stuff, particularly that like Andy Weir does. I think he does brilliantly. Um, but I was very, very nervous of, about even trying to attempt anything. Um, and Starbringer, as you know, is, is very different. It's, it's much more of a space opera. It's, uh, it's seven people trapped on a spaceship with the entire galaxy wanting to kill them while they're trying to figure out why and also trying to save the galaxy that is seems to want them dead. So um, it's a little different. It's it's not all it's it's not this technical kind of sci-fi that I love to read that I do not write. Did you have a favorite part writing it knowing like you love the Breakfast Club, you love Firefly and it's translated so beautifully into the book. Was there a favorite character that you wrote? And then did you have a favorite character overall? Like, it's so, you could have so much fun writing a character, but like ultimately this person's development, because they all have really wonderful character arcs in their journey. It's not just a, because they're all the main character, even though we have three, four POVs in this book. Thank you so much for saying that. Actually, the the way we did it is Nina did a lot of the um, a lot of the world building, the initial world building, and um, she she wrote the first draft, and then I came in um, after we worked out where we wanted to go, and then I came in and I wrote the second draft, and I really concentrated on um, beefing up parts of the plot, but also the the characters and the relationships. That was kind of that's kind of what I what I've always been good at as a writer. That's kind of my strength. And so that's really what, what I worked on. So thank you so much for, for saying that about, about their different journeys and their arcs. And yeah. Um, did I have a favorite character? It's so funny when they ask me this, I tend to go, um, 
Oh, yeah, I have a favorite character, and then I start listing, like, seven of them, because there's seven of them. Um, how about we start with the character that I did not think I was going to like at all and who grew on me, um, and that is Merrick. Like, I was not sure about Merrick at all, and he was kind of in there to serve a purpose, and I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. He was in there so I could kill him, and... He didn't die because I fell in love with him. I couldn't, like, I couldn't murder him. You gave yourself your own plot twist. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I did. I was like, no, Nina. Yeah, you know, Nina actually agreed. She fell in love with Merrick, too. So we were on the same page. So that was very exciting. Because um, I was going to cry so hard if I had to. Um, There's a character in the Crave series I had to murder. who was one of my favorites. And I was, I still haven't gotten over it. Um, so anyway, I was like, please, let's save Merrick. And um, so anyway, Merrick was a was a sleeper character. He he really grew on me. But I don't know. I really love Beckett. Um, I love Beckett and Rain. Um, Rain, I think, is Nina's favorite character. Um, but I think Ian and Callie are a lot of fun too. Um, I think it was really nice being able to concentrate on two different romances in here um, because I think that they evolved very differently, and the characters themselves were very different. And it was really a lot of fun to uh, to be able to to try and do justice to a. Uh, to both relationships. But um, yeah, maybe I have a soft spot for Beckett. I really like her. And there's a beautiful recognition that the characters have within each other about like, you know what, we're in a way we're cut from the same cloth. We all have our own issues and traumas and how it's kind of manifested and how they've handled the situations. Um emotionally too and what they're bringing to like the the forced proximity on this sentient spaceship oh yeah you know i really i that's 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 my catnip i absolutely love like playing with with character motivation and and what would different people do in different situations based on on who they are one of one of the scenes i really really loved writing was the scene when ian decided to stay behind on the planet with callie because it's so not, it's so out of character for him. And he was in no way ready to, to admit his feelings for her at, at that point in the book. But he was willing to, to, to sacrifice everything, you know, and, and, and not just him, but also one of the major plot twists that comes later, right? <laughs> that's yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. That, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you, you know, you know, now that we're talking about it. <laughs> Because, because that that moment was really like, wow, this is huge. This is a huge development. Where, and I remember reading this, being like, oh my gosh, okay, speak. When are they going to speak? Speak feelings. Speak feelings. Then kiss. It was so much fun, and it was like so juxtaposed to Rain and and Beckett, who were just like all in, right? Yep. And Callie and Ian were like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> This is not my idea of a good time. <laughs> I don't even like you, um, but I kind of do. I kind of do. Enough to die for you, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and we've brought up kind of uh, forced proximity since we're all on this spaceship, which I think is very fair to say the spaceship is... Uh, itself its own character right it's 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 very important uh it has its own little uh, personality i would say i just love it so much uh, i love sci-fi i think i should just go ahead and say that i was i was raised oh, yeah. yeah i was raised on sci-fi as a kid so like this is very special to me i love seeing all of these tropes and going back to kind of my question earlier just to elaborate a little i very much appreciate the um 
I would say like approachability of this book because of what you were saying. There is not a lot of technical space jargon. So I, that, that complication and that, that thing that intimidates me about sci-fi is not taken away completely because it's, it, you know, there is there, but I'm not overwhelmed by that. And I'm able to focus on the, the progression of this fantastic story. And I'm so grateful to that so that I'm able to um, not only approach this book, love this book and able to understand this book, but also recommend this book to people that may not be familiar with sci-fi. And that is a tribute to you uh, and Nina and your hard work. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. We consider it kind of a gateway, right, into into sci-fi. I have a lot of readers um, who've never read sci-fi before. And I, I love that it's something that, that they feel comfortable with. But I love that it's also that readers who, who do like sci-fi find something for them in there as well. And I do think that, that we worked, you know, to try and, and balance that out because um, like I said, I, I know, I know what my strengths are and, and I know what Nina's strengths are and we kind of played to those and, um, and, and really just wanted to tell a, a fun kick butt story with a bunch of, of really hopefully cool characters that people could, could fall in love with. Um, and, and I think if we do that and set it in space and get some people interested in reading sci-fi, then I think that that is, you know, that's a great thing. I feel I feel really lucky to have had the chance to do it. So what 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 is a what is a slog? <laughs> <laughs> a slog is kind of like I was thinking in my head, like a, a purple banana slug, you know, um, you know, just kind of oozy and, and nasty and lo- but, but much larger, much larger, very big ones, very big ones. Very, very, very big purple, like, banana sluggy things. Excellent. That kind of... I had fun making up the pictures. I did have fun. That, that, that is my question. How did that come about? Uh, that, to me, requires just, like, this this creative ability that I obviously do not possess to make up creatures and their names and their planets and their backgrounds and all of these kind of things. Fan. Fantastic. And then to seamlessly blend that into dialogue where you can infer what is going on with the comparisons, with the dress, is just fantastic. It is fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That makes me, that makes me really happy. I'm, I'm glad. I was worried, you know, because, you know, you, you walk this line as a writer. Of how much detail do I give, you know, of like the drovery, for example, or, or something like that to kind of let you know what it is or the, or the slog, but, but not too much because nobody wants to read like a five paragraph, you know, <laughs> explanation of, of what a slog is and where it comes from. And, and so how do you, how do you weave that in? It, it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a fine balance. So thank you. I appreciate and that. I, and I, even, I know you said like not the five paragraphs, but the character backstories that get added to it, like I think Callie, I'm sorry, I think it was Callie, they were, she was saying about making up swear words with her dad when she was younger. And it was just, it, yeah. and you're like, I feel like it's such a special memory, but it adds to the the um the sci-fi journey because you know the jargon it it just i can't say enough um 
how much I would recommend this from a sci-fi capacity because I didn't come from a sci-fi background. I was very much a romance, contemporary romance girly, and I've transitioned to it um, in just like fantasy and sci-fi in general. And there's such an appreciation and it can be intimidating. I feel like we're lucky as a book community that it's become more accessible and people are more welcoming. And that hasn't always been the case. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think that in any genre, right, the more people who are writing in it and the more different points of views you get on the genre, I think it just enriches the genre so that then somebody can find something for them that, you know, in that genre and suddenly that genre begins to grow. If, if more, the more people who can find something for themselves in, in a genre or subgenre, the, um, the bigger and more accessible it gets. And I think that that is, you know, I think we're all in, in the, in the, in the business, but also the love, right, of, of making books accessible, wanting people to read and, and wanting to share our, the joy that we have in reading. I mean, I'm a writer because I've been a reader my entire life, you know. I, um, I always tell the story of how I got my first romance novel in um, the summer going into sixth grade. My, uh, my mother used to take me to the bookstore every two weeks and we'd get a stack of books to read. And then, you know, we'd go through them in the two weeks. And then, we'd, you know, by the time the two weeks came, I've read them all. So you got to go get more. And I was very lucky to have a mom who um, prized reading as, as much as, you know, as much as I do. And um, anyway, that, that day particularly, we had gone to the bookstore. And the YA section, when I was growing up, is not what the YA section is now. <laughs> It was significantly smaller. And, you know, and I had read everything in the YA section and I had read everything in the classic section, you know, pretty much that, that was, you know, deemed appropriate for, you know, I was, I was on a higher reading level, but still deemed appropriate for, for you know, my age. And so I went home and I admit I was pouting and being kind of a brat because I had nothing to read. And what was I going to do for two weeks with nothing to read? You know, I mean, it's the end of the world. And my mom uh, came out to me with, with a book. It was a historical romance, actually. And she handed it to me and she said, here, why don't you try this? And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, just, just give it a try. And oh my gosh, I still remember it. It was Velvet Promise by Jude Devereaux. And I fell in love with it. I went through the entire, it was a four book series. I went through the whole series in less than a week. And they were like, you know, thick books and uh, I read them, the joke in my family um, was always like, I read them until they fell apart. Many years later, I got my mom signed copies um, from Jude Devereaux. And we met at one of the, uh, um, she was writing for a random house and we met at a random house party. And I asked her to sign them for my mom because the joke was, you know, my mom had like lost <laughs> one of her favorite series once she gave it to me. And, um, and I, I've never looked back. I've, I've read all kinds of romance from that day on. And I think, I'd always wanted to be a writer, and I think that was really the summer that I decided I wanted to write romance. I think, and to what you're saying with the historical romance, I think that's like it takes one person to switch up how you use like the different genres to approach um, and introduce you to those genres. And Starbringer is that, and is that for a lot of people for sci-fi and sci-fi romance and space opera and it's so it's i i can't it's so wonderful like we, we've been non-stop reading it and even the audio like we've we've read this we read the arc we've read it through audio like we've read it and like what is the medium that starbringer is in we've read it in that way <laughs> thank you so much that makes me that makes me it, it just it makes me really happy you know um my uh 
my fiance is actually a huge hardcore sci-fi reader. Um, had never read sci-fi romance at all. And um, after reading Starbringer, she's now exploring all different kinds of um, sci-fi romance books. So it kind of worked the other way, too. I thought, like, here's this hardcore sci-fi reader who's now reading, like, Ruby Dixon books <laughs> and all that, you know, and having so much fun with them, you know? Having, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I was, and, and I was telling her about... Um, she's like barbarians in space. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Johanna Lindsay back in the eighties, <laughs> like late eighties, early nineties wrote a series with barbarians. I'm like, yeah, sci-fi. It's fun. Well, and now, and now, you know, space aliens are confirmed in the government. So, you know, everything's a go. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Did you see they were just doing hearings in Mexico yesterday about the little you guy. <laughs> It is very exciting times, uh, unprecedented times, one might say. Um, I, I, I kind of want to circle back. You mentioned that your, your mother gave you your first romance book. That is so exciting. In Starbringer, there are some complicated mother-daughter relationships. Relate to that. Love it. Uh, there are also some fantastic tropes. We've talked about forced proximity. Um, we know, but if somebody might not know, what are some of the tropes that are in Starbringer? And did you have one that you just knew you had to have in here? Well, my favorite trope to write ever is Enemies to Lover. Um, I just, it's catnip. I mean, it's my favorite to read as well. Like I will, if somebody tells me, oh, it's an Enemies to Lovers book, I'm like, oh, let me, let me have that right now. Let's just take that back to my, you know to my room. Um, so I will always, always fall for an enemy celebrity. I love to write them. Um, there's, I hesitate to say insta-love, but there's definitely insta-attraction um, with, with Beckett and Rain. There's friends, you know, friends to lovers because she and she and Beckett were friends. Um, I don't know. What are some other tropes you guys came up with? Uh, found family, of course. Of course. Oh, of course. I, you know, I, I found family such a, I, I tend to think of it as a theme. It's such a theme in my work. I think found family is, is so important to me. I um, was an only child and I grew up um, very, very isolated from, from the, the rest of my extended family. And um, so for me, like I've, I've spent my life building a family, you know, and, and it is, you know, you know, when you look at a writer's work at, you know, the end of their life and you like kind of look at major things, found family is one that just runs through it for me. It's so important. Um, and I, 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 I you know, it's the family, I, I was born into a really lovely family. Um, I had older parents and they were, they were amazing, but, um, but also, yeah, the idea of, of gathering the people around you that, you choose as opposed to just the people that you might, you know, be stuck with. I think it's, it's so important. It's, um, it's a theme that I think comes up hugely in the creative series as well, which is a series, the other series that I, well, I guess it just finished that I have going on. And some can say like, it's, if any, sometimes it, the, that bond with a found family is stronger because you get to choose, not because of, out of obligation or anything. Absolutely. And, you know, that idea of, having differences and finding a way to, to make those differences work for you and, and coming out stronger on the other side of it and, and the loyalty and the love and the, the understanding I think that comes with that family. It's yeah. I don't think there's anything like it. It is my favorite thing to write. 
and it's one of our favorite things to read as well, um, because uh, sisterhood and like female friendships are very important to Jess and I, um, and I think to a lot of people in general, right? We we were in the summer of Barbie, and I have to say that the bonding that goes on between like Kelly and Rain, we have some like really beautiful kind of situations here, and then we have. Um, of course, I love a man in a crisis of faith. That is catnip to me. I, I love a man in a crisis of faith. I love this uh, religion that we have um, kind of in this world. I love the rebels. I love the the empress and 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 everything that is going on here. My question for you is: Did you have just like a giant? like wall with string and and things kind of connecting everything because the world is enormous. There's lots of different planets. There's lots of politics going on behind the scenes type of things. How did this kind of um, get get strung together? Because How did it get together? Yeah, yeah, because I have to tell you, um, the the plot twist had me like, Really? <gasps> I didn't see this. So when I went back and reread, I was like, "Oh, this is real good." Oh yeah, the um, the the Max and Ian plot twist. Wow, is that the one you're talking about? All plot twists. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, like like let's just call it the Max and Ian plot there twist. Go, there you go. Yeah, it was it was actually really pain. I, I we took a lot of care. Um, I, especially in, in, when I was doing the second draft of really layering in tiny, tiny little moments where when you go back and look at it a second time, you're like, oh, there it is. I didn't know that's what that was. Um, but now it makes sense. So was it always there? Yeah, it was, it was always, it was always, it was always from the first draft that was going to be. Oh yeah, no, no, it was yeah from very early conception. We knew that we wanted to do that. That's so cool because that because you know I like I was like wow so that was always that was always from the beginning it wasn't a you know would be interesting right here no 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 that was um that was actually before we knew very much we knew that we wanted to we wanted to do that um and it is it is something different right it's 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 especially as you get into book two when you see how it's going to evolve it's it's very different than what you see in in I think regular mainstream. Um, sci-fi romance or whatever but um we're really we're, we're in the middle of like you know plotting right now and we're really excited to explore and and see it, what that looks like um so yeah uh but yeah no we we took great care in, in layering a lot of it in a lot of the stuff um with with the friendships that went through a lot of stuff with the relationships that went through um and we did not have a giant board with string, although I kind of wish we did. Um, that would be more fun. Um, but it was, uh, we did have a lot of eyes on it, you know, after like, like, like I said, we did a lot of plotting at the beginning and then we had, you know, Nina doing the first draft, we had me doing the second draft and like so many conversations like, well, how does this work and why is this happening? And oh, we need to make sure we, you know, making sure all that was connected. And then we had like, you know, two editors, you know, and a co copy editor on top of them. Like everybody was really just kind of, well, three editors, I guess, and a copy editor on top of that, really making sure that everything was, because it is a very big world, and we, you know, wanted to make sure that we didn't miss anything. or didn't. Miscommunication trope would, cannot be at play with working between you all in this world. Yeah, especially with two authors, <laughs> right? Because, you know, 
I mean, while we tried to communicate really well and make sure we both knew what we really wanted to do, and you know, you want to make sure you never like, oh, she went this way and I thought we were going this way and that didn't meet up in the book. You know, we, that's like the worst thing that could ever happen with when you have more than one author working on a project. So lots of eyes, lots of, lots of care. <laughs> Yeah, that was going to be that was going to kind of be my question, like, because we know that uh, Nina is in Spain. So you have uh, kind of restrictions when it comes to when you can meet, when you can really work. And sometimes it is just easier to speak face to face or get on the on a phone call and just like or send send the voice notes uh, instead of like typing, typing out notes and things. Uh, Jess and I. Uh, we're separated when we started the podcast. She was in New York and I was in Germany. So we do understand these logistical problems. I cannot imagine, Jess, I'm sorry. I cannot imagine writing a book with you this way. No, no. We we even when we prepare for our podcast episodes, it's very vastly different styles with our, our notes. And I'm very like bulleted and she has arrows going all over the place. <laughs> I'm, I'm an error from myself, I'm like writing all over the page instead of in a, yeah, it makes, it makes people who work with me, like just in general, like, uh, who like, look at my notes. I'm like, is there something wrong with you? Like who takes notes like this? And I'm like, I don't know. That's how my brain works. Yeah. It drives, it drives people nuts. Um, but, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, I've co-written several other projects because I'm one of those rarities. I'm an extroverted writer and I love to work with people. I, I love people and writing can be a very solitary thing. So I have on um, three other occasions written with, with one, in one case written with two other people and other time written with, with one other person. And they've always been close to me. Um, Terrilyn Childs actually lived several states away, but she actually flew to my house and we wrote together. Oh, wow. um, and that, that, you know, I think helped a lot. And Brain spent a lot of weeks brainstorming and, and writing together. But, um, yeah, I think that, I think that it's just about, we thank God for, thank God for Zoom and Google Meets, right? Because I think it would have been a lot worse if we couldn't at least have like face-to-face conversations. Because, you know, I mean, nuances get missed. And I mean, we all know, right? Nuances get missed in texts and emails and you're not sure what. So it's, you know, I think, especially when you're writing about something, you know, when you're doing something that most people are as passionate about as writers are about their craft, right? I mean, it's very important, I think, to see the other person's face and to make sure that, yeah, we really are on the same page, that we're not you know, being polite, we're not misunderstanding or whatever else. And um, one of the people I wrote with, Carolyn Childs, had this incredible rule, and um, I loved it. And I um, had brought it up to, uh, to Nina as well. I think it's such a great way to do it. And she said that, you know, when you write, like she and I wrote by passing chapter by chapter. She would write two chapters, pass them to me. I'd go over and pass them back and then write the next two chapters, you know. And um, so that was, like I said, every time you co-write, you have to figure out what your process is, what your co-writer's process is, and then you have to find a way to meld them together. And since no two writers have the same process exactly, then no two co-writing experiences are going to be the same either. But with Carolyn Childs, her rule had been, if I don't like something you wrote, I can change it. And then I'll pass it back to you. You don't like what I changed it to. You can change it again, but you can't change it back to what it was originally. You have to come up with another way to do it. And we were all alive. We reached out like one veto as well, where we could like go in and just be like, no, this is really important to me. And let me tell you why. Um, but other than that, it was like, if she changed it, I, if I didn't like it, I could either live with it and say, oh, that was better. Or I could say, I still don't think it's there. Let me change it. 
And I think that actually works really well because I think if you look at a scene and you look at it three or four different ways, eventually you get to the best way to tell that scene, you know, or to, 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 to convey that information. And so that's a role that I try to um, try to like really incorporate now into any writing thing I have is, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's about respect for the author, the other author, I think in general, right? Like, Hey, I know you did it this way. I don't really think it works. Let me tell you why I'm going to change it to this. Oh yeah. Let's shift it. You know, I, anyway, I think, I think any co-writing experience, the heart of it has to be respect. I don't think you could write with somebody who's writing you don't respect and whose strengths you don't respect. And I think, the goal, right, of any co-writing um, is to find people whose strengths are different than yours and then kind of blend them together so that you get the strongest project product, you know, that you, the two of you can produce. Because that's the goal. It's like what's going to be best for this thing that we're creating. Yeah. For the story. Yeah. That is always the goal, right? What serves the story best? And ego never does. So it's always about like kind of checking that at the door and saying, Let, let's talk about the project. That is fantastic advice that I think I might steal and put into other aspects in my life. That is just really wonderful and, and kind of forces, forces the, the change in perspective and just like eliminates what you were thinking about before. It's like, no, we're not even discussing it. We're just moving on to something completely different and to change. That's really wonderful. Uh, I love that. How refreshing. Yeah. Tara Lynn Childs was brilliant problem solver about stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. That is just so wonderful. I'm like writing this in my notes as if we're not recording. I know. <laughs> I'm like, like this is so good. <laughs> free advice. Fantastic. Um, is it, and, and it does. It does work in other aspects of life too, doesn't it? It does. It does. Wow. Wow. Uh, so speaking of projects, we're talking about projects. Um, so this is book one in a trilogy. Is that correct? Yes. We say trilogy. I always say there are three books planned because... My last series was planned to be three books and it ended up being six. So at this point, there are three books planned. And I think as of now, the way we're looking at way, the way the arcs are going, I think we're going to stick to three books. That is that is the plan. Oh, that is absolutely excellent. Is Now, I know you can't tell us much about book two. I know this. But is there something in the story that you're just very excited to write? Like something coming up that you're just like, gosh, I can't wait to get to that. Like a big plot point, or you can't wait. You wait for us to read. I am very excited about what's going on with Rain in this book, and I'm very excited. I, you know how you said you were. What, what is it you said you were a sucker for? You're you're a sucker for a um, crisis. A man in faith in crisis. Oh, a man in a crisis of faith, right, Merrick? Um, I am a sucker for rebels. I love Rebels, and so I'm really excited about where that part of the story is going in, um, in book two with Beckett and then and, and with Rain and how this is going to work out. Can you share if this is, and, and if you say, like, I can't reveal that, um, is does book two pick up immediately after where book one left off, or is it, um, like, do we have, like, a flash forward a little bit? As of now, do not hold me to this. As of now, it picks up right afterwards. But um, we haven't gone through editing or anything else yet. So, so things change. But as of now, we're picking up almost immediately afterwards. Yeah. That's excellent and very comforting. Uh, as everyone knows, there is only one season of Firefly and a movie. So now that we know, we know that there's a book too. It's like, season okay, two. Season two. Right. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. 
I don't know if it makes me feel better. My fiance is on me at least three or four times a week, like since since you've been um, starving. Like, um, what, how, what's going on in Starbringer too? Like, how is that? Like, what do you mean you haven't really started? Right? I'm like, I'm finishing up this book that I'm working on, and Starbringer is the next book. We're in the plotting stage. She's like, but and you have the spinoff series because I was going to say, like, you have the spinoff series. Yeah, in- I'm writing. The, I'm writing the. I'm, edit, I'm in edits on the first book of the spinoff series right now. So we've ended. So are you very compartmentalizing everything? Like, this is my focus. I can't even, I have like an idea of starting. No, Nina and I are, we're spending time brainstorming okay. and, and looking at, um, but we're not actually, and, and, and we're plotting, but we're not actually writing anything at this point. And we're talking about maybe shaking things up this time around, um, maybe writing different characters, um, as opposed to first and, and second drafts. We're, we're going to, we're going to see. We're going to take what we like out of this co-writing process and try and blend it into, you know, every every time you do a project, you try to figure out what you did well, what you did badly, and how do you improve it. So we're kind of in that stage right now. That's wonderful. And wrapping up, uh, what are your upcoming projects uh, and where can we find you, socials and things? Oh, awesome. Well, I just finished the um, sixth book of the Crave series. It came out right before Starving Heart. And... Uh, I am in the middle of starting a spinoff for the Crave series, and the first book is Sweet Vengeance. It comes out in January. I'm super excited about it. It's um, it's taken a twist and a turn, and it's uh, a little different, I think, than I originally conceived it, but I'm very excited about it. Starbringer 2, I also have a top-secret project um, that I will be talking about sometime soon, but not quite yet. And uh, you can find me on Instagram as Tracy Wolf Books. That's where I tend to hang out most. I'm also on Facebook as Tracy Wolf and on Twitter as Tracy Wolf. But but Instagram's usually the place to, to catch me doing stuff. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. This was so fun. And this, you know, this is a platform for you. So you, we'd love to have you um, back for any other, you know, any other, your other projects. Either way, we look forward to continue to keep supporting you to support Starbringer and for everything else to come. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And um, I'd love to come back if you'd like to have me. Of course. Of course. With all of the sparkle course. things. We'll go off so many t- all the sparkle. sparkles. Traveling will go into to- so many different tangents. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. All of the sparkly things. As Tracy said, please make sure you're checking her out on all our socials as well as Nina Crofts. We'll make sure all of that is in our show notes. And please feel free to join us. We're at Acafe Podcast on Instagram and we're both on TikTok, Acafe Laura and Acafe Jessica. Thanks so much. And we hope to talk to you all soon. Bye.